Welcome to the Strategic Planning Podcast with financial coach Mike Flanders. With more than 40 years of experience in the financial services industry, Mike knows the X's and O's that'll help you achieve your financial goals. It's time for the Strategic Planning Podcast. Welcome into another edition of the podcast, folks. Thanks for tuning in to Strategic Planning with Mike and myself. Mike, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, uh, Mark, we've been uh, just working hard here today. I uh, just appreciate you asking me what's been going on because we've got a ton going on. We've yeah. been uh, putting together some pieces for our December 7th Christmas party with our clients. In fact, I'll go ahead and tell, tell you about it. Uh, it's at Starmount Country Club in uh, Greensboro. Uh, we have people come from all over the state to join us about uh, once a quarter for these events where we usually have a little bit of information for you about markets and taxes and other things regarding financial matters. But then we, we always have a really good time. A lot of folks have gotten to know each other real well and uh, just enjoy seeing each other again at these little events. We're having a brunch this time. We've always done either luncheons or dinners. We're going to actually do a morning brunch at nine o'clock at Star Mount Country Club. And it says, my assistant was just showing me the menu and I'm like, Oh man, I'm hungry. <laughs> this is good stuff. <laughs> so we'll have a lot of uh, gifts and some door prizes, uh, raffles, and things like that. But also some information to take home for the uh, end of the year. So I awesome! Hope, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll make plans to be there. You'll be getting some stuff by email and uh, so forth to be able to register. And Mark, you're invited too, man. You're welcome to drive oh, well, up from Sanford to, yeah, to yeah. Uh, Greensboro if you'd like. I, I might just take you up on that. So uh, do that. Yeah. <laughs> sounds good. Well, yeah, listen, if you are already a client, you may already be going and you're checking out the podcast. If you are not a client yet and you've been turned on to this podcast through a friend or something like that, make sure you reach out to them and let them know uh, you'd like to uh, learn more about uh, becoming a client or talking about becoming a client and the events that they have. And of course, you can go to spcinvesting.com. That's spcinvesting.com. And you can also just call them at 336 Six eight four three three eight. All right, Mike. Yeah, yeah. uh, before we jump in, I do want to get that invitation. To anyone that might be listening is not a client. This isn't just a closed event. Anybody that oh, okay. uh, has interest in these things is welcome. So yeah, oh, check out the website better. under seminars. Give us a call. Let us know so we make sure we got plenty of food. Got enough uh, seats and food and yeah and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Well, perfect. Well, then we'll be glad to register. There you go. So if you'd like to attend the event, give them a jingle and go to spcinvesting.com. Spcinvesting.com and click on the seminars tab there, as Mike said, or just call three three six 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 eight forty three thirty eight. All right. So news time. Let's get into some news, Mike. Extra, extra, read all about it. All right, so looking at what appears to be the most likely candidates now that we're starting to whittle down the 417 potential people running for president, (laughs) let's just narrow it down to possibly three here for a minute. Any ideas on how the market would react versus Trump staying in? Maybe Biden or Warren, since I think at the moment they seem to be leading the Democratic charge. Any, this is just speculation, but just, you know, any kind of thoughts on what either of those candidates might cause the market to do? Uh, yeah, so you're you're looking for a prediction of what the market might do in yeah, just one of these. In your, the in your opinion, in your opinion. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I have one. Um, I was looking at some uh, research a while back about, you know, we've got here uh, Democrats running and Republicans running. So I was looking at, okay, so how has the market done under Democrats? How's the market done under Republicans? 
And uh, so we went back to 1926 and we took all the Republicans that uh, were in, you know, during that time, Coolidge, Hoover, Eisenhower, Nixon, Ford, Reagan, Bush, one and two, and took the returns for their time in office and added them up, averaged them out and all like that. And the annualized rate of return under Republicans was 5.09%. That's the average annual rate of return for the 43 or so years that they held the White House. Okay. Don't know who particularly held the House and the Senate and all that, but just the uh, Republican uh, presidents, that's, that was the return under them. And of course, you know, the um, logic is Republicans tend to be, quote, more business oriented and the Democrats more socially oriented and, you know, labor and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, the expectation is that would be a better return than the Democrats. So we looked at them and said, all right, so how, how bad did they do you know, compared to the business-minded Republicans. And uh, so you had FDR and Truman. I love it that there's several of these people that have you. They're known by their initials, right? Right. Uh, FDR, Truman, Kennedy, LBJ, Carter, Clinton, and Obama. And uh, again, interestingly, since 1926, about 43 years of holding office there. So it's split evenly, about half and half. Okay. Their annualized return, 13.99%, almost 14%, more than double, getting close to a triple what it was when the Republicans held the uh, White House. So, you know, what you think might not always be the case. And uh, so my prediction is that we won't know until it's over. <laughs> the fat yeah, lady right, song. Right. I mean, you just don't know. Uh, right. You remember with the last election on election night and the uh, Dow futures were down 800 points with the expectation that Trump was going to be elected. And in fact, it turned out he was, and then it was looking like it. And that's why they were falling precipitously. And then by the morning, uh, they turned around and the market ended up going up a couple hundred points for the day. So yeah. you just don't know short term and you sure don't know long term what they're going to do. It could be anything. No, that's very true. And staying with that headline for a moment, let's kind of keep within the same sort of vein. Do you think the you know impeachment chatter is going to have any long-term effects on the market? At the time of this taping, it hasn't as of yet. And, sure. you know, I think a lot of people forget, or maybe they remember, or they don't remember exactly, you know, Clinton was impeached. He just wasn't mm -hmm. removed from office. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What do you uh, think? It has, it has been the case in all the impeachments, going back to Andrew Johnson in the 1800s. You know, Nixon yeah. didn't get impeached. He resigned. Yeah, he, he, he quit. Yeah, he get removed. <laughs> yeah, he was. He probably would have been the one that got removed. But yeah. right, and, and and as he said, I'm not a crook. So right. uh, anyway, impeachment. Yeah, it's it's a blip. If you look at the uh, historical returns in the market, you can track out when various massive events occurred and how it impacted the market. And in some cases, there was a short term impact. But uh, for the most part, even horrendous things like the Holocaust and World War II and the atom bomb and then the Great Depression and all those kinds of things, they had an impact maybe for a short period of time on the market, but it just it's, it becomes a blip the further away you move from it. So if you're a long-term investor, these are not things that need to make any difference in the way you invest going forward. It's interesting stuff to talk and chatter about. Right. Beyond that, you don't want to blow your wealth on making moves based on chatter. 
Yeah, no, that's true. Well, you know, hopefully uh, we'll see how this all plays out, but uh, I think it's going to be interesting. Next year, uh, 2020 mm-hmm. is going to be certainly interesting for sure. Well, in order yeah. to not let this get too long with us this week, I'm going to jump into our topic. And okay. that, and since we were talking about, you know, impeachment and the things and whatever side of political side of the aisle you're on, uh, you cannot understate that any of these candidates from time to time say or do things that seems to sabotage their own goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and for so... Sure. <laughs> so our topic this week is sabotaging our own retirement with all the things that exist in the financial uh-huh. world, Mike, that we cannot control. Why on earth would we want to sabotage our own retirement by messing up the things we can control? But we, mm. we do that. So let's discuss some ways that people do sabotage their own financial health and hopefully an idea or two to maybe not doing that. And we just mentioned the market. So let's stay right there. Obsessing okay. about the short term ups and downs of the market is a clear way to sabotage your own retirement as well as give yourself a little bit of a, you know, some heart issues. Yeah, it is. And if you just obsess about it, you'll just have the heart issues as long as you don't act on it. Right. Right, True. True. (laughs) But you know, why, why put yourself through that pain? The market is going to go up and down randomly. There's just no way to know what it's going to do. I don't care how good things look or how bad things look. It's the things that move prices is news and it's new and it's unpredictable. Nobody knows what the news is going to be before it happens. So everything you're seeing, that's already cooked into the market. There's no sense in trying to beat it by getting out or getting in based on something that's already been said. And certainly predictions about it are worthless. I was just doing a seminar yesterday down in uh, Matthews, North Carolina, and we were talking about gearing up for the next crash. There will be another crash. I don't know when, I don't know how big, but it will happen eventually. Right now, we're about 10 years past the last end of the last crash. So, you know, people are talking about it. Hey, it's long in the tooth, this bull market. It's time right. for a correction. A major crash is going to come about every seven years and all these kinds of things. And, you know, you look at 1982 to 2000, it's 18 years without a significant market crash. So you don't know when and those short-term ups and downs, just leave it alone. Let the market give you its return. It always beats the actively managed accounts where you're trying to guess when to be in, when to be out, what to be in, what not to own, all those kinds of things. Don't pick stocks. Don't time the market. Don't try and find somebody you think can because they can't either. If they could, they wouldn't be managing your money for a percent. They'd be borrowing all the money they could and just buying it themselves and living on an island somewhere. Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. Okay, so first step into not sabotaging on retirement is if you are obsessing about the market volatility, I think it's only going to stay this way all through 2020 as well. Mm-hmm you know, making, taking action is certainly going to be a, a path to uh, sabotaging your own retirement. All right. Yeah, so, if you have, oh, um, if, if you have a, a prudent portfolio mix that you can live with, right. Then live with it. But if you don't, if you find yourself obsessing about the market, you probably need to reassess yeah. how you've structured your portfolio, how you're doing it. I don't mean that you pull out or you jump in or whatever, depending on whether you're feeling greedy or you're feeling scared and panicky, but get an assessment and determine, is this the kind of portfolio mix I can live with? If it is great, you've reassured yourself. If it's not, 
discuss how you can go about making some adjustments to get it to a point where you just stop obsessing because you, there's no sense in that. Yeah, for sure. Life. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So another way we can avoid doing this is if we understand Social Security a little better and we start it at the right time versus the wrong time. Now, Social Security can get complicated, so I'm not saying you mm. got to become a a master of it, but you can work with an advisor who has experience in dealing with Social Security and let them help kind of guide you along what some of the options are. Right. Yeah. Social Security is extremely complex, as is most everything that the government's involved in that involves money. So there are all kinds of ways to make decisions about when to start, who should start if you happen to be a married couple, and should you both start at the same time, that sort of thing. It does take a little bit of analysis. It's always good to be sure that you open up a My Social Security account at socialsecurity.gov on the web and get access to your benefits and earnings statement because there you're going to know what the benefit expectations are based on your your personal earnings history for starting at the earliest point that you can, which is age 62, at your what's called full retirement age. And you need to understand the ramifications of starting before your full retirement age on all kinds of things like taxation of the Social Security benefits as well as whether you get to keep them or not, if you continue to work and have earnings over a limiting amount of about $17,600 in 2019. So knowing those kinds of things and avoiding the things that are going to cost you are very important. But um, yeah, full retirement age for most folks now is between 66 and 67, depending on your year of birth. And then, of course, there's always the ability to wait until you're 70, but not beyond. You don't earn any more credits after that for working, but you you can increase it by continuing to work and making more money. Your primary insurance amount is set at age 70. When do you take it? Well, what's your expectation as far as life expectancy? What's your plans as far as family? What are your other resources? There's a lot of things that come to that. We have some pretty sophisticated tools that we use, some uh, calculating programs that we can put your data into if you've got that information from Social Security as to your benefit expectations. And uh, we can run different scenarios to help you figure out well, what does it look like doing it this way versus another way. It is a, an individual and personal analysis that needs to be done. You can't just go based on what you hear around the water cooler. Yeah, for sure. And Social Security, again, can be very complex. So make sure that you are talking with a qualified professional like Mike Flanders. He's a financial coach at Strategic Planning Corporation serving you here in the Carolina area. So make sure you have those conversations with your advisor or with a qualified professional. And if you are checking out this podcast because it's been turned on to you from someplace and you're getting into listening to us, well, then talk with Mike uh, before you take any action, obviously, uh, with any of these things that we discuss on the show. And you can reach out to him at uh, 336-668-4338. All right, Mike, another way we can sabotage ourselves is pretending like, and I guess the big word, right? Pretending like the nursing homestay, long-term care event, Whatever you want to call it is not going to pertain to you or somehow is so far off in the future, you don't need to worry about it. Yeah, um, I find uh, even in my own life, uh, sometimes I'll think about, talk about what things might be like in the future for me and might be pretty boastful, bold about what I might think I'll do if this or that happens and how I would handle it. You don't really know until you actually get there. Not bad to consider it, not bad to think through it. And maybe kind of have trial runs in your planning and that sort of thing. But 
you just don't know. It's just like the market. You don't know what it's going to do next. You don't know how your health is going to hold out. If you'll ever need home care or nursing care or any care, you might just die in your sleep one day, ripe old age with nothing going on. So, uh, but you can't live based on that. You do have to make plans for the alternatives. And, and really with long-term care, a lot of the planning here is, yeah, it's for you, but it's for your loved ones, the people that are going to take care of you and give them the ability to either continue to live their lives and do the things that they have planned and dreamed about, or not to be in a situation where they are wearing themselves out and giving themselves taking care of you. I always, you know, concerned about people having to lift folks and hurting themselves, being up a lot, not getting the right kind of sleep. Uh, those kinds of things um, are important to try and protect those that you love from. And uh, so making sure you've got plans to take care of this need. It's an important thing to do for other people as well as yourself. Yeah, no, definitely want to make sure that we do that. In the interest of time, I'm going to try to, I'm going to do one more here, Mike, and then we're going to start to wrap up. But another way we can sabotage ourselves is not identifying how much we're going to need to spend to maintain the lifestyle that we want. And I think that's a key piece is sometimes we go into it and we're doing a little budget and we go, oh, look, it's only going to take us $5,000 a month to live the way we are now in retirement. Great. We've got that covered. And maybe you don't think about the rest of your life versus that's going to change. That 5,000 is going to go up because inflation is going to happen. Yes, it is. And you know, what's the old thing? Take the amount that you figure you're going to need, double that and then double it again. Right, <laughs> right. Maybe not that extreme, but uh, you're right. There will be the unexpected things. There'll be the big ticket items that occur that you have to take care of. And then there'll be just the creep of inflation on your monthly living expenses. So when you are identifying how much you need, then you can figure out, okay, if this is what I need, if I were to retire right now, that's going to change with inflation. And, and you should think through some of the things like, I'll possibly need to replace a car. I may need to do some repairs on a house, you know, any number of things I can go on. Then figure out if that's the amount I need based on today's cost of living, how much do I need to put aside for those unexpected big ticket items? And then if I take an inflation rate of say, well, over the last 45, 50 years, it's been four and a quarter percent. But if I just took 4% and subtract that from my investment return that I'm expecting based on the kind of risk I have in my portfolio, then I want to be thinking in terms of distributing what's left over to live on and keeping that 4% or that 3% if that's your inflation expectation in the portfolio that I have to help offset that inflation increase in the cost of living. The um, other things you need to do before you even do that, though, are take out other sources of income that are automatic, like if you have pensions, if you have Social Security benefits, you're going to be taken at different times. And this can get you know, a little complicated again, too, because different timings of cash flows, and you can get with someone to help you do that kind of analysis and planning. But it's a matter of figuring out what do you need, what's it going to take to get you there, and you want to calculate it for inflation so that you don't spend through your money. All right. Well, there you go. So that is our topic this week of sabotaging our own retirement. Don't be guilty of doing that. Make sure that you are you know, looking proactively at your retirement future, working with a financial planner, making sure that you're doing some strategic planning 
And of course, that's the name of our podcast here with Mike Flanders, financial coach at Strategic Planning Corporation. We're going to knock out one quick email and then we're going to get rolling this week, Mike. And this one is from Andy. He says, I'm selling one of my rental properties in the next month or two and I don't have plans to buy another one. What's another thing I could do with the money from that sale? I'm glad you're asking the question, Andy. I don't have an answer for you. Uh, I don't know your circumstances, but here are the things I would think about. Number one, do you have money set aside for about three to six months of expenses? If you don't fund an emergency fund or a slush fund, a savings account, what have you for that, and don't put it at risk. This is money you want to be able to get to quickly. If you have something you need to take care of quickly, like an emergency, kids braces, you know, whatever, things like that. So have that done. Take a look at what you've done as far as protecting yourself from other risks that might need to be taken care of with insurance, life insurance, disability insurance, long-term care insurance. There are some situations where it might be better to fund some of those things with lump sums versus paying premiums over time. Consider the um, investments that you have uh, beyond that as far as for any education you might be having to take care of for kids. But the key is the retirement piece. You're likely going to retire, and if you don't retire, it may be because you died, and that's why the insurance aspect first, to make sure you're taking care of your family that's left behind and dependent on your income. There are various things that you need to consider. It uh, would be well to just take a look at, okay, so what am I looking like right now as far as how financially sound I am with emergency funds and saving for retirement, then determine where to deploy that money. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there you go, Andy. So thanks so much for submitting that question. Submit your own at spcinvesting.com. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Strategic Planning, whether it's on Apple, Google, or Spotify, or whatever uh, platform of choice you use. And as always, make sure you contact Mike before you take any action at 336-668-4338. For Mike Flanders, I'm Mark Killian, your host, and we'll talk to you next time here on Strategic Planning. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.